We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Good morning, White Sox fans. This is the Sox Machine White Sox Wake Up Call for Thursday, June 15, 2023. I'm Josh Nelson. Last night, the White Sox were on a three-game losing streak, needed a win to keep pace within the American League Central. They did get some good news as Eloy Jimenez returned to the lineup, batting fourth as a DH. But in true White Sox fashion, there was some bad news as Yoan Makata's back is barking up again. Manager Pedro Grafal pregame hinted at a possible injured list stint in the near future. Yay! But snapping the losing streak wasn't going to be easy because Clay Kershaw was starting for the Dodgers. Turning back the clock in 2023, Kershaw at age 35 entered the game with a 2.2 war, according to Baseball Reference. That includes a 2.95 ERA at 13 starts and an 8-4 win-loss record. Mike Clevenger made the start for the White Sox, and the Dodgers have not been friendly to Clevenger in three career starts before last night. The Dodgers have hit Clevenger at a tune of 291 with a 365 on base percentage, slugging 582, scoring 14 runs off of Clevenger in just 13 innings. It was a great start to the game for Jake Berger. He made a nice diving stop to Rob Mookie Betts of a hit, and then in the second inning, belted his 14th home run of the season, a solo shot to give the White Sox a quick 1-0 lead. But the White Sox did thread for more. The bases were loaded for Tim Anderson, but all he could do against a high curveball from Kershaw was hit a chopper to third base for the ground out and ending the threat. In the third inning, ball and air offense was activated again, but this time for Luis Robert Jr., who smashed a solo home run to left field his 16th of the season, Suddenly, the White Sox were up 2-0 on Kershaw and the Dodgers. Tim Anderson, again, had another opportunity to bust the game wide open. After Yasmani Grandal doubled and Elvis Andrews drew his second walk, both advanced on a wild pitch to be in score position. But all Anderson could muster is a chopper in front of the plate, which Kershaw slid, fielded the ball, got up on his feet to make a throw in time to beat Anderson at first base. It was an incredible defensive play by Kershaw. Meanwhile, Clevenger was cruising. After four innings, he only allowed three hits with two walks at five strikeouts, and then disaster struck. On a 95.3 mile-per-hour fastball to J.D. Martinez, which Martinez fouled off, 
Clearly something gave in Clevenger's throwing arm. He was trying to shake it off, but dropped to his knees in pain when the trainers arrived. They eventually took his glove and ushered Clevenger into the clubhouse. It was the 77th pitch of the game for Clevenger, and now we wait for the final verdict about Clevenger's throwing arm. The initial report from the White Sox is bicep soreness for Clevenger, specifically right bicep soreness. Remember, Clevenger already has two Tommy John surgeries, and we've seen bicep soreness before for a White Sox pitcher become something larger, especially with Carlos Rodon, who had shoulder and Tommy John surgery while with the White Sox. Replacing Clevenger was Gregory Santos as he inherited runners on the corners with two-out situation, but Santos got Martinez to whiff on a slider for a strikeout, ending the threat. Following half inning, the White Sox benefited from two bad plays from Dodger shortstop Miguel Rojas. One was a fielding error on a hot grounder from Berger that Rojas tried to field it like a little leaguer with poor footwork shuffling to his right. Then on a grounder from Andrew Benatendi, Rojas made an ill-advised toss to Betts at second base who couldn't beat Berger to the bag. But Kershaw struck out Grandal and Clint Frazier, and then Rojas made a nifty play to rob Elvis Andrews of an infield single to pick and throw out Berger on a fielder's choice to third base. In the bottom half of the sixth inning for Santos, and boy, it was a special inning for the White Sox defense. After Santos deflected a comebacker from David Peralta that redirected to Tim Anderson for an infield single, Santos would allow two more singles to Chris Taylor and Jason Hayward. Clint Frazier fielded Hayward's base hit well enough to make a strong throw to home, if not a little bit off target. But Peralta wasn't going home. The Dodgers were satisfied to have the bases loaded, nobody out. And somehow, Grandal missed on blocking the throw as it bounced away from him. And then Santos was nowhere near to back up his catcher. Now Peralta scored the first run for the Los Angeles Dodgers in embarrassing fashion for the White Sox defense. Sure, Santos should be backing up Grandal, and that is a mistake on the pitcher, but good lord, Grandal should have blocked that throw from Frazier. It was not a difficult play to make. Grafal then swapped out Santos for Aaron Bummer, who proceeded to walk Miguel Vargas to load the bases. After his strikeout, Bummer got a slow chopper from Austin Barnes. Now, Tim Anderson fielded the chopper in front of second base, but he decided to make a soft toss to second base instead of going to first base for the shore out. Let me explain this. As a shortstop, when you're cutting in front of the bag, your body movement is heading to first base. That makes it a lot easier, more of a direct throw to first base. While you're moving and trying to soft toss to the side is a complicated play. And when you got a runner barreling down to second base, it's going to be a tight play. It's sometimes just too big of a risk because if the, soft, if the soft toss is too high or too slow and the runner beats it, well, then the runner at first is going to be safe. You need an out in this situation. Well, to complicate matters, Elvis Andrews wasn't even ready for the toss and his foot wasn't even on the bag. So when he caught the toss from Anderson, he didn't have a foot on the bag. So... Again, just like the throw to home from Clint Frazier, the soft toss to second base, the primary and backup defensive plays here were just not there for the White Sox defense. On this particular play, Pedro Grafal wanted to challenge the call, but for some reason, the umpire crew wouldn't let him. 
After some heated words with the umpires, Pedro Grafal was ejected. Shortly after Grafal was ejected, Charlie Montoyo took Aaron Bummer out of the game, brought in Joe Kelly, then Mookie Betts singled the right field, and all of a sudden it's a 4-2 ball game for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Facing old friend Yancey Almonte, the White Sox struck back in the 8th inning. Eloy Jimenez doubled and Jake Berger belted a hanging slider down the left field line that hit the foul pole for his second home run of the night. Despite the poor defensive play coughing up the lead of the 6th inning, the White Sox found new life. Andrew Benatendi was hit by a pitch right on the pinky of his right hand. That's been sore. And he would advance the second base off a wild pitch setting the table for Clint Frazier. In a nine-pitch battle that saw Frazier foul off four pitches, he finally timed a fastball right to poke a grounder through the infield. Benatendi scored, and the White Sox retook the lead 5-4. In the ninth inning, Andrew Vaughn walked and scooted over to third base when Luis Robert doubled down the left field line. With the infield drawn in, Eloy Jimenez did a good job of keeping his hands inside on a hanging slider to hit a line drive to center field just over the second baseman's glove. And if the second baseman was there a second earlier, that would have been a double play. It did drive in the White Sox sixth run of the night, so now they have a little bit of a cushion. Andrew Benatendi tried to do a drag bunt because, again, he got hit in the hand, so it's not feeling great. It went foul. On the next pitch, Andrew Benatendi hit a single down the third baseline that beat the infield shift, and all of a sudden, the White Sox were ahead 8-4. The White Sox offense was 0-6 with runners in scoring position entering the eighth inning. They finished 4-6 with runners in scoring position in the eighth and ninth innings. Kendall Graveman took the ninth inning after a brief power outage at Dodger Stadium that lasted roughly about 10 seconds, and the game ended on a Chris Taylor made double play. So the White Sox win 8-4 in a very weird way. Jake Berger went 2-for-5 with two homers and three RBIs. Luis Robert was 2-for-5 with a home run. Eloy Jimenez was 2-for-5 with an RBI. Yasmani Grandal was 3-for-5, and Clint Frazier was 2-for-5 with an RBI. Tim Anderson... Went 0 for 5, and now his season OPS is 590. I'm sure he'll bat lead off tomorrow. The White Sox are now 30 and 39. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. No getaway day for the White Sox as the schedule has another late night for fans in the Central Time Zone. First pitch is going to be at 9:10 p.m. Central Time as Dylan Cease takes the mound. 
In back-to-back starts, Cease has only allowed one earned run in each game, and that's a good thing as the White Sox hitters are barely giving him a cushion by scoring two runs in each of Cease's last two starts. Regardless of the run support, Cease has gone 11 and a third innings in his last two starts, allowing just six hits, one being a home run, with five walks and 13 strikeouts. The Los Angeles Dodgers love taking walks, so that's one metric to watch closely for Cease tonight. If Cease can make it three straight starts, allowing one run or fewer, White Sox hitters should be able to give him more support. I say should because we all know that the position players are underperforming and they have the task of facing Michael Grove. Limited to 85 pitches, Grove has made five starts for the Dodgers with six appearances. In his last two outings, Grove has allowed four earned runs in each of those outings off of 11 hits and nine innings of work. While that should be a tantalizing trend for White Sox hitters, Grove does a good job of not giving out many free passes. We'll see if the White Sox can finally hit a back-end right-handed starter. You can watch the game on NBC Sports Chicago or listen on ESPN 1000 AM. Down on the farm, what a barn burner in Durham as the Charlotte Knights visited the Bulls. The Knights scored seven runs in the first inning and added three more in the third inning. Eric Gonzalez hit his second home run of the season in that third inning as the Knights won 11-7. Adam Hazley went 3-6. for six. Victor Reyes went 2-5 for five with two RBIs. Oscar Colas won 1-5 for five with an RBI. Knights starting pitcher Nate Fisher went six innings, allowed three hits, all solo home runs with two walks and seven strikeouts. The Knights are 31-34. Birmingham was up 4-2 going into the ninth inning against the Tennessee Smokies, but Andrew Perez blew the save as the Smokies scored three runs in the ninth to win 5-4. Moises Castillo and Tyler Nesloni both hit home runs. Christian Mena had a good outing. He went six innings, allowed three hits, two earned runs, two walks, seven strikeouts on 95 pitches. Wits Salem Dash were down 4-0 heading into the sixth inning against Asheville. But Cabrera Weaver hit his third home run of the 2023 season, a two-run shot in the bottom of the sixth inning. And the Dash went to work in the seventh inning with bases loaded, scoring four runs to eventually win 6-4. Weaver was 2-for-3 with three RBIs as he had the go-ahead hit in the seventh inning. Starting pitcher Jonathan Cannon threw 93 pitches but went four and two-thirds innings, allowed eight hits, four earned runs, one walk. He did strike out eight, but he gave up two home runs. His season ERA is now 2.98. Tim Elko hits another home run, his 14th of the season, this time a three-run shot, and it helps power the Kannapolis Cannonballers to a 4-2 win over the Down East Wood Ducks. Elko now has 50 RBIs in 56 games in A-ball. Why he's still there is beyond me. Starting pitcher Shane Murphy, the White Sox 14th round pick in the 2022 draft out of Chander Gilbert Community College, went four scoreless innings with two hits, two walks, and six strikeouts. News around Major League Baseball, the Nevada Assembly and Senate have approved government funding for the new athletic stadium that will take place of the current Tropicana Resort on Las Vegas Strip. The last step is Nevada Governor Joe Lombardi to sign the bill. After that, Major League Baseball owners will vote to approve the relocation of the athletics to Las Vegas. If you're wondering how quickly this will turn out, according to the athletics' Evan Drellich, MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred has a scheduled press conference tomorrow. Amazing how governments work when giving out public money to billionaires. In injury news, the Houston Astros got two bad injury updates. First, Jordan Alvarez is now expected to miss the next four weeks with a strained oblique, according to Astros General Manager Dana Brown. 
A for sure all-star, Alvarez is hitting 277 with a 388 on base percentage, slugging 589 with 17 home runs in 2023, along with 55 RBIs. Now Jose Abreu will have to pick up his play. The second bad injury news for the Astros is starting pitcher Lance McCullers Jr. will miss all of the 2023 season with forearm surgery. Since 2021, McCullers Jr. has only made eight starts for the Astros, but is hopeful he'll be healthy for opening day 2024. Thanks to Oakland's seven-game winning streak, the Kansas City Royals now own Major League Baseball's worst record, and they just lost their best hitter. Vinny Pasquatino is out for the rest of the 2023 season with a torn labrum. Pasquatino in 61 games hit 247 with a 324 on base percentage, like at 437, with nine home runs and 26 RBIs for the Royals. While he's got a lot of hitting talent, Pasquatino in the last two seasons has played just 133 games. Scores around Major League Baseball. Man, what has happened to the St. Louis Cardinals? They were up 5 to nothing after the third inning. The Cardinals gave up the tying run in the ninth inning thanks to Mike Yastrzemski's two-run homer. And then the San Francisco Giants scored three runs at the top of the 10th to win 8-5. to five. The Cardinals are now 27-42. And while we are wondering if the White Sox are going to host a rummage sale at the trade deadline, they might have company. It'll be fascinating what the Giants do as this is unfamiliar territory for the organization. The Toronto Blue Jays hold off the Baltimore Orioles thanks to a strong performance from Jose Barreos to win 3-1. The Detroit Tigers scored four runs in the fourth inning to tie the game, but the Atlanta Braves were able to find a way as they beat the Tigers 6-5. Ronald Acuna Jr. belted his 15th home run of the season. The Tigers, who were hovering around 500 in May, are now 12 games below 500. I hate to say it, but the Minnesota Twins are playing some good baseball. After winning two out of three in Toronto over the weekend, the Twins have now won two straight against the Milwaukee Brewers, beating them 4-2. The Twins are now 35-33. The New York Mets scored two runs at the bottom of the seventh inning and walked off the New York Yankees in the tenth inning to win 4-3. The Mets needed that win as they improved to 32-36. The Chicago Cubs and Pittsburgh Pirates, they're playing some wild games this week. Down 5-1, the Cubs scored six runs in the sixth inning as they go on to win 10-6. Despite Shohei Otani hitting a 450-foot opposite field home run, the Texas Rangers offense was too much for the Los Angeles Angels as the Rangers win 6-3. The Cincinnati Reds keep rolling as they beat the Kansas City Royals 7-4. The Royals are now 18-50. It's their worst start in franchise history. Finally, the Miami Marlins beat the Seattle Mariners 4-1 thanks to an incredible game-saving catch from Jesus Sanchez. Facing A.J. Puck, Eugenio Suarez hit a deep fly to right field with the bases loaded that would have been a grand slam to tie the game for Seattle. But Sanchez timed his jump incredibly well and robbed Suarez to preserve the Marlins' victory. That will do it for this White Sox wake-up call. You can follow us on Twitter. We're at Sox Machine. You can follow me on Twitter at Sox Machine underscore Josh. Subscribe to the Sox Machine podcast wherever you listen to podcasts such as Spotify and Apple Music. We also upload podcast episodes into our YouTube channel, which please subscribe to at youtube.com slash Sox Machine. If you enjoy our work and want more, subscribe to our Patreon to receive exclusive content ad-free versions of the website and podcast. Monthly plans start at $2 or you can save with an annual subscription. Again, sign up at patreon.com slash Machine. The White Sox Wake Up Call is a production of SoxMachine.com. You're all for all things Chicago White Sox baseball and part of the Blue Wire podcast network. 
I'm Josh Nelson. Thanks for listening. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.